bring the lights up for you. And if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Genesis 17. So I hope that through the, through the prayer tonight and through the singing and the music that you just sense the closeness of God to His people. Um, and if you wonder why we sing, or if you're wondering that before we sang, maybe, maybe we all get it a little bit more you know, now. Um, and so as we turn to the scriptures tonight, it's, it's kind of a, a unique night for us, obviously, with the, the first night under this new name that God has led us to. And um, we're going to just spend a few minutes looking at the fact that God, like changing names is something God has done before. And, and how it really signifies more, more than maybe meets the eye for us. And, and, and there's, we could let this just be like a cosmetic change. You know, this different label that we go by now. A label that is, it's more approachable, it's self-explanatory, it's, uh, it helps us connect with people. And it could be just something that's on the outside. Or maybe God wants to do a little bit more than that. And that was sort of the challenge last week and then tied into this week. And our groups will talk about it a little bit coming up uh, this week in our community groups. And so hope that you, um, you know, can be a part of that. But I was thinking this, uh, just, I've been thinking about names for a while, obviously, because of this change. And, and names are, they're kind of an interesting thing because there's only a couple of times where you see a new name, like, show up. Just, just in life, like with our, with our like personal names, you know. Uh, it's either when a new life is born, or when a covenant is made, or some sort of relationship that is in place kind of like gives you that name, all right? So either new life, or covenant, or like through a relationship that you have. Um, so here's what I mean. So when, when, like a new, when new life happens, you name the baby, right? Like all of you at some point were born and someone picked out your name. Uh, let's just, let's do some surveys. This will be some raise of hand stuff. How many of you, raise your hand up high, if, how, how many of you were named uh, with a family name, like a passed down name? You're like the third or junior or someone like that. How many of you guys would, would be in that category? All right, okay. How many of you, uh, how many of you know, know the person that you were named after? Anyone? Oh, look at that. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, how many of you, at some point in your life, wanted to change the name that your parents gave you? Oh my gosh, look at that. Has anybody actually done it, like legally changed their name before? Okay. If so, I want to talk to you afterwards, because I'm intrigued by that. Um, but a lot of people, at some point, they were like, oh, I wish I was named this, or something, like, something else. Um, how many of you... How many of you go by a name? How many of you go by your middle name? Okay. And how many of you hated the first day of school every year because you took your teacher a while? Okay, all right. Uh, how many of you go by a name that really is not even in your name anywhere? Anyone? Oh, okay, all right. That's good. Um, names, are, names are really interesting to me because like, when someone is born, they are, they're usually, it's named, like there's a family name, uh, you're named... Uh, Either like by tradition, you know, like you're the third or you're the fourth in a line, that kind of thing, or you're named after grandparents or like people that the family knows. Uh, you're sort of named in honor of someone, um, or there's a name that just you're just like pleasing to your parents. Basically, how many of you are named just because your parents like the name? 
Okay, so hopefully we've all raised our hand at some point, right? Uh, so now we are all included. Uh, there are plenty of times when, when you're just like, why were you, why were you named that? And like, I'm, no reason. My parents like the, like the string of names together. So like, my name is Joshua Christian Causey. I'm not named after anyone or my faith, really. Uh, they just like the cadence. And so it's like, all right, that's cool. My next brother, uh, Andrew Michael Causey, he wasn't named after anyone either. The third brother, Joe, uh, he's Charles Joseph Causey. He got a name from each grand, grandparent, went by Joey, and now he's Joe. So I mean, he's all confused. So uh, we, you know, we kind of like have different, different things going on there sometimes, but it's really just about the fact that parents just like the name. Um, I've never had to name a child. I've only had to name dogs, and, uh, which I know are not the same. I'm not trying to equate that, <laughs> just for the record. And the only, so my naming experience is solely based on the fact that I just went with names that made me laugh. Uh, so which is why I had a Wheezy and a Gilly. So um, there you know. So hopefully no one is naming their kids just for the sake of humor. Uh, it's because you like the name somehow. Um, there, are, there are times when people are just get creative and just like make up new names or push two names together. And there's just all these interesting things that, are, that happen around, like especially in America, so, you know, centered around names. There are some people, some people, when they're naming their kid, they will avoid certain names because it has a like, personal wound connotation tied to it, right? So probably if, if you are sitting there and you're like having a baby and you're like going through, which it's got to be traumatic, not traumatic, but like maybe dramatic in a, internally of like naming your child, like, that's got to be like this massive thing. And there are probably names that you ruled out because you once dated someone by that name, or uh, that, that guy stood you up for prom, so you're never naming somebody that, or whatever it might be. Um, last names kind of carry certain like presuppositions. And so if you're in uh, Massachusetts and your last name is Kennedy, you're probably going to people keep asking you, like, like the Kennedy? You know, it's like, no, not, not those Kennedys. But that name kind of brings something with it. I'm... Uh, I'm was went to college with a girl who married. Uh, her new last name was Rockefeller, and every time it pops up on Facebook, my first thought is like, "She's rich now," um, and I don't know if she is or not, but that's what I assume. If you meet someone whose last name is Hitler, you're probably going to be like, uh, "What?" You know, um, and so you would never. You just last names carry all kind of weird con- connotations with it. Uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad, because they're so tied to reputation. And, and that kind of stuff. So your name kind of, I don't know, it, it, it carries something along with it. That I can say certain names and, and different things will pop into your head because a name carries that reputation with it, good or bad. Um, for, uh, yeah, the best of life and the worst of life, they're just tied in with people's names. And, and that is fascinating to me, how, like how that kind of works for us. Um, some people don't like their names, so they just change it all together. Uh, some people truncate their names. So, like, like I have three brothers. Uh, my name is Joshua, so I dropped the U and the A when I was a kid, apparently. Not on purpose. It just kind of happened that way. Um, my brother Andy, his name is Andrew. He went by Andy our whole life, and now he's just Drew. And then there's Charles Joseph, who went by Joey, and they dropped the Y, so now he's Joe. And so we've all truncated our names at some point, whether that was just for fun like Joe did, uh, or it was just kind of how I grew up. People just called me that, but that was a little bit different. Uh, some people will go by like a middle name or uh, that kind of stuff. Um, but like you're, when you're born and you have this, there's like this new life, especially like when babies are born, that's like a big deal. It's like, what's the name? What's the name? What's the name? And it's so much more than just a label, isn't it? 
It really is. It's much more than a label. Um, and, and so that's the first thing, new life. The second way that we see names like changing or, or someone being given a name is through covenant making. That when two people get married, there is a change of name that happens. And uh, that is a part of the marriage covenant. And the two becoming one is that you are united under this name. And so even, even though the husband's name usually does not change, it still is, it is different though. Because if, if, you were, if you were married before and you were a single person, you become engaged, uh, now someone else shares your name together. And so even the guy's name changes. And, um, so marriage is one of them. Adoption is another one. Uh, my brother Drew and his wife Catherine uh, went and they, they, they fostered two little boys for a while. And they have just adopted them in the last couple of months. And those boys now have our last name. And so a part of the adoption like proceeding was coming before the judge, and the judge is like, here, this is your new name. And so they have their, their, the first name that, that they were born with, but now they have a new middle name and a new last name, and they love it. They absolutely love it. Um, and so adoption is another one where through a covenant, through this new family that's being formed, there's a new name that's attached there. So new life, uh, covenant making, and then the third one is just through a relationship. That, that there are some of you who uh, either like now or some, sometime in your future are going to stop going by your first name and someone's going to call you daddy or mama or papa or mama. And those are like relationship driven names that are given to people to the point where um, you're going to like I've seen like people who are grandparents. They just they stop going by their first name altogether. They don't even want that name anymore. They just want they want Papa. That's it. They everyone can call him Papa. That's fine. That there is this relationship that's there, that there are, are like pet names that people will give each other, that there are nicknames that are assigned to where the to the point where you don't even go by the name you were given that's on your birth certificate. It's just a nickname. Um, some of you may have met at the reunion a guy named Chico. And Chico was there. And at some point in his life, all his friends started calling him Chico. And that is it to the point where you, you probably don't even know his new name, his real name. It's Carlton, by the way. But he is Chico to everyone else. And he spells it with an E-A-U-X. And so that's unique as well. And so there's this nickname thing that, that goes on. And when, when Katrina came through and we were all responding and just kind of trying to serve and help in different ways. And, and we were very, very young in the church planting idea as the ring. And so we got tied in with a, a shelter that was at Southern University for like maybe two, three months. And we were going over and we, were, we would go in the afternoons and we would take all the kids like... Um, we would offer this thing for all the kids to come, and we would do crafts with them and play games with them just to give the parents a couple hours in relief. And so we tried to do name tags with them, and it got to the point where we realized that no kid was going by their given name. They were all going by nicknames, and uh, they, that's the name that they owned. It was the name given, the, given to them by their friends, by the neighborhood, by their siblings, by their cousins, whatever. But none of them went by their given birth certificate name. It was all nicknames from relationships. And so we see it when a new life is born. We see it when, when a covenant is made. And we see it when relationships are like strong and bonds are deep. And someone just like slaps this new title on you. Um, names are interesting. And they are so much more than just labels. And so... As a church that's changing the name, we could just change the label, 
But it's more than that in experience. It may feel just like an, an external thing at first, but there's probably more going on here that God wants to do. And so in the Bible, names are even different than, than today. Names among the people of God were, they were almost like prophetic. That you didn't name your child based on the nice cadence of their name. Not even based on naming them after someone or a family name or something that was pleasing to the parents or anything like that. You named them uh, because in a way that tied to their identity. It tied to what you were hoping for them, what your dreams were for them, their, their destiny. And so you named them based on this internal thing. They were linked together. And the way that their names would function was that there, it wasn't uh, like it was. It was just a known part of their culture that if you met someone that was named something, you heard their name, but you also knew what what was lying beneath the name. And so we see some weird places in the Bible where people are named terrible things because they're born into weird circumstances, and and it's almost like they're being cursed by their own parents by having this name. And it's not like they could grow up and they could say, like, well, this is my name, but that's not really who I am, because that's not how it worked. When they heard your name, and if it was negative, then you were negative. If they heard your name and it was positive, then you were positive, and they're just, they're linked together. And so, when we see people named things in the Bible, there's a purpose behind it. Which is not to say that our names in America have no purpose, but it's just different scripturally. And so, when a name was given on purpose, and these big, deep things were in mind... Uh, it's really big when God changes someone's name. And we see it happen a couple of times in the Bible. We see, and we're going to look at this in a second, in Genesis 17 where Abraham was not born Abraham. You know, we, and there's this, you know, this kid's song that we all grew up singing and no one really knows why, where it came from or what it's supposed to teach us other than like, let's just be really tired from waving our arms around as Baptist kids. And, uh, but this song, Father Abraham, he was not born Abraham. He was born Abram. That there was this change that happened in his life. And it's really a big deal. One, because God, here, here's God showing his authority over Abram's life. Even over his parents. Name, the giving of a name comes from a place of authority. So if you have a baby and you name the baby whatever you want to name it, that's because you're the parent. They don't get to pick their own name. You name them. Because you are in authority over them. And so when God changes someone's name, he's trumping the parents. He's showing who's really in charge. But he's also showing this shift in identity. This change that is, uh, that is happening in their lives that is so deep that their name is going to have to be changed. Because they're just not who they used to be. And from that identity, the, like from their, from their name and their identity would, would come all of their dreams for their own life and the, the way that they would conduct themselves and their character and their, their, uh, like their obedience and their faith. And like everything about them was flowing from this name, from this reputation. And so when God would change their name... He would, it was not only changing their identity, but now they had this new identity, and now that's where they derive like, all of their actions and their decisions and, and the things that they feel called to do with their lives. And um, You don't need to turn to it, but in Philippians 2, 9-11, through 11, this might be familiar to some of us, it says, Therefore God has highly exalted him, him being Jesus, 
and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that's not only meaning that like the name Jesus, the label Jesus Christ is, uh, is above every name in some, like in some sort of flow chart. He's saying, no, the identity, the character, the, like the who he is, is above every other identity and every other character in the history of the world and of the universe and forever that Jesus is exalted above those things in who he is. And so we can't just, just when we're talking about the, the name of Jesus will be praised forever. It's not just we're going to be like babbling on and on his name. We're going to be praising him because they're synonymous. It says the name above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This doesn't mean that like, you're going to hear the name of Jesus and everyone's going to like, like have to bow down. That's not some sort of weird thing. It's saying that, that with like, the name of Jesus comes everything that he is. And in response to that, there is this humbled adoration uh, filled with gratitude and worship and love because it's all wrapped up in his name. And so we kind of have to jump into like Judaism a little bit. We have to jump into like the the Old Testament, New Testament, like people of God kind of mindset and understand that a change of name is not like us when we start going by a nickname. It's not like me when I kind of drop the last two letters of my name. It's not like the different things that we experience. It's deeper than that. It's bigger than that. It is a massive, massive thing in the story of God. And so look, at, look in Genesis 17 where uh, this shift happens for Abraham. Uh, you'll notice at first that he's not a young man. In verse 1, when Abraham, I'm sorry, Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So, you hear that story, you read that story, and you're like, all right, God's like, hey, I'm going to add a couple letters to your name. But that's not what he would have heard. God's not giving him a nickname. He's not changing the, the label. He's not like, hey, how about we do something a little different? Spice it up. You know, you're 99. It's probably time for some change. What's going on here? We have to think like we live in the ancient Near East. We have to recognize when God's like, I'm going to change your name, they would have been like, hold up. Hold up. The only way to understand the significance of this story is to know what Abram means and to know what Abraham means. And so Abram means exalted father. Now we know from the rest of, of Genesis that Abram had he didn't have any kids. 
And so his name means exalted father. And so he's 99. And so he lived 99 years with this name that automatically brought up the connotation exalted father. Seems a little cruel, maybe, you know, like, what if, that, what if having kids was something he desired for a long time, and his very name almost mocked him a little bit? That could, be, that could be some of it, some of what his experience was. It could also be that he was, you know, in his character and who he was to people, that he was this, like, father figure, perhaps, you know? That he was highly revered, you know? That he was Abram. Like, he's the, this rock-solid guy in the community, that, that the role that he played with other people was, was fatherly, you know? Um, it, could have, uh, it could have been a, a number of other things. So when you hear the name Abram, that's what would have popped into your mind. And so God says, no, I'm not, you, that's not going to be your name anymore. That's not going to be your identity. Instead of exalted father, it's going to be Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Now to a 99-year-old guy who had no kids, this might seem like a, like a weird Weird, almost cruel thing for God to be doing to you. So your parents gave you a name that maybe has been had some difficulty and some pain, and now God is changing it to make it even worse. But in the context of the covenant that he's making, God's like, no, I, I'm doing something that's so big. You're, you can't even go by the same name anymore. Like, it's so significant that I'm going to change what people call you. In the context of God, both, like, think about it in all three ways. That there's new life tied to it, that there is covenant making tied to it, and there's relationship tied to it. In the same ways we see names be given, God is giving names, but it's far, far, far deeper than that from God's perspective. He's saying, you, what's, what is ahead of you is so different, we're going to have to change what people call you. And it's so different that I want you to know it. So much that every time someone calls you by the wrong name, you're going to have to correct them. Or they're going to call you Abraham and you're not going to respond to it because that's not what you're used to. Because every time you hear the name, I want you to remember the promises that you're a part of. Remember that, I, that I'm bringing you into a, into a place where you are going to have a son. And that son's going to have a bunch of sons, and all those sons are going to have a bunch of sons, and it's just going to keep going, sons and daughters and sons and daughters. And, and like sand on the seashore will be your offspring. So I don't, I don't want you to forget it, so I'm changing your identity and your destiny and everything that you're about. And so all the decisions that you make, all your character, everything's going to flow out of this new identity, and I don't want you to forget it. I'm going to change your name so that not only you know it, but everyone else knows it. And I want them to remember it and keep remembering it and be reminded of it and recall it and revisit it and return to it over and over and over again for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to where Baptist kids all over America are going to sing a song about it. And even though they don't know what's going on, they're going to know the name of Abraham. And they're going to know the name of Abraham as the father of multitudes. Because God has made a promise. And God did something deep in that dude on that day. And God was not going to let him forget it. This was a, a shift that was big. It was deep and it was wide. And it came from the one who has authority over the whole universe. And it signified a change that would then work its way out. And you know what? You and I are here today 
as a part of that. Jesus has invited us into that storyline. It's amazing. This is not the only place we see it happen. Um, a little bit later in that chapter, his wife, her name is changed to Mother of Nations. We see Jacob, who's down the line there. Uh, his name is changed to uh, Israel, which means he who has the power of God. We see Simon's name changed to Peter, which uh, is changed to Rock. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on this guy right here. Uh, we see all that. And then in Revelation 2, it says, To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. This, is, this means that at some point in our future, that Jesus is going to give you a new name if you are a Christian. It's a part of heaven for us. Is that the names that our parents gave us, or that, our, we were, that were changed through covenant, or that our relationships gave us, as, as much as we treasure those things, or however that needs to work for you, there is a day coming when you get a new name. That's given to us. And so God is in the business of changing names, but it's never just a label. It's always deeper than that. And so if we can kind of just springboard out of what happened with Abraham and some of those other instances, I'm not trying to equate it. All right? That's kind of a reach. So I'm not saying that we're in the same exact boat, guys. Like God is in it. No. There isn't a new, like a, there isn't like a different covenant that we're a part of. There's this existing covenant that works its way out. That there's this life and this relationship. So I'm not saying it's the same as that. But what I am saying is that I think that God is interested in more than just the external stuff. He's interested in this not being just a nickname change. It's not like when we go by a different name. I think he's doing more because I think that from our name springs all of all that we see and all that we do and all that we um, are. I think he's wanting to develop some things. I think he's he's wanting like like I think he's wanting this to be closer to the to like Abraham's experience maybe than we realize. Like what if what if that's really what's going on? Like in terms of like the story arc of this church family, what if this is the, this is the moment? Like, this is like a, a section of time that's closer to this story than we think it is. Like, what if he is doing more among us? What if there is some internal stuff that he's trying to shift forward? We talked about it last week. There's some things that we need to leave behind in the old name. Like, what if, what if this is deep in a similar way? What if he's doing something far greater than we can ask or imagine? And it's so significant that we need a new name in order to let it take effect. Like, what if there's a part of us that God's like, look, I want to do something with, it, with you, and I'm going to have to change your name to remind you over and over again of what I'm doing. To recall it, to, to bring it back to mind, that you remember it, and that you keep like, circling in that, and so that your kids grow up in it, and I'm going to do this new thing with you. Maybe, maybe he is. What if we really won't be the same going forward? Abraham could not have been the same. Not in the way that, that names impacted them. He could not have been the same. Especially as he began to walk in those things and they began to happen. Like when he had a kid. 
Like as those things came to fruition, if he was like, oh, Abraham, okay, I get it a little bit more now. I get it. What if we're in this moment where we're like, all right, Living Hope Fellowship. All right, that's cool. Living Hope, let's do it. What if in a year we're like, oh, okay. All right. And what if in 10 years we're like, yeah. That was a, that was a, big, that was a bigger moment than we anticipated coming into it. God did more than just like put some new signs outside, you know. There's more than a website, more than a more than a rebranding, you know. He did something different with us then. What if this is a moment that's closer to Abraham's than we than we realize? Think about what the name means. Think think about about the fact that we're here are, are these people who have experienced the hope of Jesus and the, the, the reality of his existence and his presence among us and his goodness. And all of us are working together and cooperating together. And we're being sent out into this city to bring that hope to the people that we encounter. What if that is so important to the Lord that he's like, I'm going to do some deep work in this church through something as simple as a name change. What if he wants us to be reminded over and over and over again? What if that's what he's doing? Maybe this is a prophetic catalyst that jolts us out of any complacency or any sort of like like inward like you know weirdness that's there. What if what if this is is a way that God kind of like takes the like electric paddles, you know, and like like charges us back to life in a, in a way that maybe we weren't anticipating or or betting on or a way that we didn't even know we had grown complacent. Like what if this is the charge that he wants for us? What if he's just going to use the name change to get our attention? I mean to give you one thing to ponder. I think there's a couple of purposes with the, with the name being different and and how that impacts us and 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 it really was driven by uh, like this like outward momentum to the city, driven by the fact that the ring did not communicate who we are and what we're here to do. It didn't communicate it internally very well. It definitely didn't communicate it externally and. As we began to dig into those things, we began to realize that, that God was highlighting some things for us. He was showing us that, that we, have, we have worked hard to, to develop community and family internally as a church. And that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But in that focus, like maybe, maybe we've just kind of had our heads down a little bit too much. That maybe in doing that, we have become so internally driven that we're actually like excluding anyone else who wants to come into that. That we're not really saying anything to the city. We're not really, not really having a presence in all our different communities and stuff in the way that the church is supposed to. And that's not an indictment against us. I'm just saying like these are some of the conversations we've been having collectively for a while. Like, man, we, we love one another and we, we're fighting to live life together deeply, but... Um, could that be also working against us in some like in terms of like mission and hospitality and like letting people know that they are welcome in the presence of God by being welcome with His people? And so, I was out of town a week or two ago, and my brother Drew and I were having lunch with this guy, and he um, 
he is like a very like visual person, and so when he goes down to meet with people, he's like a kind of a discipleship guy, uh, church planting kind of, kind of dude. And so he goes in and he takes like a legal pad with him all the time because he draws a bunch of pictures. And he he pulls out the notepad and he like draws he draws a spiral on this notepad and he said he said is this spiral going is it working its way in or is it working its way out? Uh, I don't know I can see both ways I guess. Um, and he said, yeah, he said, that's, this looks like a lot of churches. He said, a lot of churches are, all their momentum is going, is like inward. Everything is like, is about self-care, you know. So we're caring for each other, we're doing all that kind of stuff. And those things are great. He said, but is God about self-care or is God about like the care of, of his children? Is he, is he inward or is he outward? I'm like, well, I, think, I think he's outward. I mean, you see, Jesus' whole ministry doesn't seem to be like spiraling inward. It seems to be like going outward. And I'm sure there's like scientific words I could be using, like centrifuge and centripetal force and those kind of things, but I don't want to do that because we have actual physicists in the room that I don't want to offend. <laughs> but I can tell you this God, is, God has this like outward sending momentum to him. In his holiness, in his love, in his compassion, in everything about him, it's not swirling in. It is like shooting things out. Like he is outward going all the time. And I think that one of the things that God is bringing to the surface is the importance of both things happening. That we are good at like, caring for one another within here. That there is a, an aspect of community life that has inward momentum. But that that always hits a point of reversing and then like shooting us back out, spinning us out into, into the world constantly. And I think he's wanting to grow us in that. I think he's wanting us to be a powerful, sending, uh, like, life source here in Baton Rouge and in Zachary and in Central and in Denham and in Prairieville and in, at LSU and at BRCC and at Southern and everywhere that we are in this general area where we all live I think he's wanting us to be sent and to think that way and to function that way. And perhaps that's one of the big things that he wants to shift internally for us. He's saying, hey, you're, this is a new chapter, and a part of this chapter is to continue caring for one another well and to, be, to like take very, very seriously the fact that Jesus says, you go and you make disciples and he says, I'll build the church up. You go, you do that, I'll do this. And so you and I, we, we each play a role in making that happen. We play a role in the inward care, and we also play a role in going out. And so I think God is, I think he's doing something here. I think it's more than just changing the cosmetics. And so I don't know how that impacts you and your, like the, like your involvement here. I'm trying to figure out that myself. You know, That's kind of what we all need to be doing right now. Is saying, okay, Lord, what do you want to do? How do you want this to change us? How does this new chapter look for us? How does that spiral work inward and outward? 
Could we be in a year looking back on this and being like, you know what, you know when things really shifted for us? It was in that goofy name change. Something as simple as that did far more than we could ever ask or imagine because Jesus was the author of it. Jesus was in authority over it. And so Abraham had to hear God change his name and then walk faithfully in those promises. And you and I, same thing. That God has changed our name. The one in authority over us has changed our name. And now we have to walk faithfully into hope that is alive. That we are working together to bring that hope everywhere that we go. I think that Jesus is more excited about the name than we are. And you might not be very excited about it, so that might not be saying much. But I think he's excited on deep levels about what is ahead. And I hope that you are too. And I hope that together... We're just going to continue to see what he has for us. And so whatever your role is, like embrace it. Ask him. Let's let him tell us. Let's let him keep bringing to fruition what he has started among us. All right, let's stand together. We're going to spend a few minutes responding. It's funny, because every time I get up here and preach, I always think it's going to be like 20 minutes, and it never is. But I don't, I don't want us to miss it, you know? Like, I don't... I want us to, like, get every drop out of this season, out of this chapter. And I want us to reach people, and I want us to have a burden for folks that don't know the hope that we know. I want us to keep growing. I want that inward care to work. And I want us to just be effective as he just scatters us everywhere around. And I know you want it to. I know you do. Let me pray for us. God, we can't do this on our own. And we need, we need to hear you. We need to sense you um, confirming some of this stuff. We need to, we need to, to hear you just telling us, hey, just open, open up to what I want to do in your life and in all these open lives pressed together as a church. And that there are people all around us who just, they don't know what we know. They've, they don't know the Jesus that we know. And we all need help taking that seriously. And so as we respond a little bit, let's... Let's make that outward turn in our, in our hearts, in our minds, and let's realize that, hey, that spiral, it's propelling us outward into people's lives. That God is outward. That from His goodness and His holiness and His love, He sends. He sent Jesus. He sent the Spirit. He sends the church. We're part of that. And so maybe in these few moments of responding, maybe, we're, maybe we can own the new name. Maybe we can say, Lord, I receive this uh, banner over us now, this shift. And maybe we just embrace it and we ask for his help in walking it out. Lord, I pray this all in your name. Amen. So we're going to respond in a couple ways. Um, We'll have communion down here. And so Andrew and Christy, you're going to come and serve us. You guys can go ahead and come here. And um, we begin to sing.
the communion table is, is open. And so if your response in embracing the name is to, is to step to the table and realize that Jesus is offering you his very life, his body, his blood, that Jesus is extending that to you. He's saying, here, do you want this grace? And you're saying, yes, I do. Yes, I'm, I'm owning the, new, the newness of this family shift. And maybe that's how you do that. You can come and pray. You can stay and, and sing. Let's just spend a few moments stewarding this, this time, this moment that we're in, uh, in, in a really good way uh, as Cody leads us.